The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, we've got a very special treat for you. A couple of interviews that I recorded on my nightly betting show, BetMGM The Night, which I co-host every night, Monday through Friday, 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern, with my co-hosts Ryan Horvath and PJ Glasser. On this episode, we talk to NBA insider Sean Little of the MSG Network and the No Catch It podcast. He breaks down his thoughts on the NBA season so far, and we follow it up actually with an interview with Robin Lundberg of SI, who gives some great insight into the league as well. There's one team that he is surprisingly low on, and it rhymes with Smelladelphia Sixers. Double interviews mean double bonuses for you. Nick, do me a favor and drop that beat. In this first clip, I asked Sean his thoughts on the New York Knicks, who lost their opener to the Grizzlies, but managed to claw back and force overtime. They showed a ton of grit, and since he's a Chicago guy, now living in New York City, I had to ask him about the Bulls as well. Listen in. Yeah, I mean, I live I live out here half the week now, and majority of the week I, I flip back and forth from New York and Chicago, and everybody I talked to this morning was very encouraged. I know I was watching them. Yeah, that was easily a game that they could have, you know, opening night kind of got tucked in early, were down big, and they could have folded up. But I think uh, they showed a lot of fight. Julius is such – it was so important for Julius Randle to get going and, and be involved early like he was because when he's not, everything snowballs, and it starts to snowball from game to game. I also think it was major that, you know, they went and got Jalen Brunson to handle the rock so Julius doesn't. RJ, if RJ didn't play as bad as he did last night, they win that game by five, six, maybe even seven points. So, yeah, I was encouraged. They have a big home stretch coming up here that they have to play really well. They play, they play some of the bottom teams in the league. Detroit being one of them, they kick off uh, tomorrow with the opener. But, yeah, very encouraged. Everyone I talked to in New York is very encouraged. Memphis is supposed to be, you know, a top-flight Western Conference team, and they went head up in the opener. 
Let's talk about the Chicago Bulls because, first and foremost, very impressive win against the Miami Heat, even though the Miami came back and made it a game. Just a, I would say, very impressive, more impressive than even last year, considering that a bunch of your guys are not really right. Uh, and secondarily, you know, your thoughts on that, but what's up with Pat Williams? Yeah, let's be clear. The only people that are 1-0 are Ayo Desumu and DeMar DeRozan. Everybody else, uh, they, that, they, they can't even take uh, credit for that W yesterday. But, yeah, it's, um, it was a very encouraging win. They looked good. DeMar is just ridiculous. I, I tweeted out yesterday, look, for, look to take his point total, attempt total, all that stuff over when Levine's not in. His usage rate skyrockets by like five or six percent. His attempts shots go up by five or six. He scores six, seven points more a game. He's sensational when Levine's out. So yeah, it was a it was a great win. I don't know, Trista, what's going on with Pat Williams. I it's it's very nauseating because at the very least, for a guy that's his friend, six eight, you know, but you know the whole story perfect frame for a young Hooper. He doesn't even clean he doesn't even clean up the glass. He makes no impact in the game whatsoever when he's out there. And I know he got hurt and missed the majority of the year last year, but even in like the ten or twelve games that he did play, it was very similar to what you saw last night. Not not really making an impact. He he's kind of just a guy out there jumping around and playing a little bit of defense, but he just doesn't make an impact on the game. And I I, I don't know. You hate to give up on a dude that's so young like he is, but you also have to look for something that gives you a, a spark, a flash of something, and I haven't seen it at all. In this clip, I asked Sean his candid thoughts about a couple of teams from the West who could surprise for different reasons, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Phoenix Suns. The Pelicans are awesome. Uh, I, I won't jump out and say they're a legit contender to, to go on and win the West, but they're loaded, man. Zion is awesome. He's literally a walking 25-plus every night yeah. when, he wants, when, when he wants to walk on the court, and he's healthy. I, I was joking around in, in the group chat, and one of my boys says, man, make Zion go right. And it's like, man, you can't. It's impossible to make him go right. He's going to go left whenever he wants, and he's going to get to the basket and try to finish at the rim. I mean, they're awesome. Zion can score. Ingram can score. Herb Jones. The big question mark, right, is who's going to play defense? Well, Herb Jones will play D. You got Alvarado who will come off the bench and bring energy and play D. You got Valanciunas who will rebound. Devontae Graham off the bench is not afraid to get shots up. He'll get his shots up. Larry Nance will run the floor. I really, I'm with you guys. I really, really like the Pelicans, and I didn't even name CJ McCollum who. When, when, when a big bucket is needed, jump shot or otherwise, he's shown that he can get it done for you. Yeah, I, I, I really, really like this squad. They're young. They'll have a lot of energy. They'll be fun to watch. The, my number one lead pass squad right now, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. Another team that I think some of us thought maybe would take a big step back just because of all the drama, issues with the contract of DeAndre Ayton, you know, Chris Paul getting another year older and some of the issues that he has with teammates, just generally speaking. What a gritty, gritty comeback win for Phoenix against the Mavs. They could have just laid down and died, and yet somehow, someway, Monty Williams decides, okay, well, I'm actually going to bench Chris Paul and let my guys who are on microwaves finish this game out. Uh, What were your thoughts just on that game and, and whether we can take anything from that in terms of how good Phoenix can actually be? 
Yeah, you know what it feels like to me that Dallas is just a bad matchup for them overall. They have a lot of trouble with Dallas. That's obviously been seen in the playoffs and was saw and you saw it last night in the majority of the game. But yeah, it was awesome. They locked in and did what had to be done. I think when you get in situations like they were down last night and then a little momentum starts to come back as they're getting back into the game. We're not thinking about like the off the field stuff. We're not talking or off the court stuff. We're not talking about Aiden's not wanting to be there. He's already on the floor. He's doing his thing. I think it was a very gritty win. It was encouraging to see. <laughs> it was encouraging to see, you know, those guys get rolling. Aiden was efficient. Devin, Devin led the way. I was watching the show and I heard Bill Ryder crush Chris Paul when you were interviewing him. Crushed. And I thought uh, he crushed him. And I thought that was a little over the top, right? I'm like, man, like he's shown year in and year out. And, and, and as recently as last year, that he's still one of the best clutch basketball players in the world. He closed out games for the Suns night in and night out and basically tucked teams away. And he was a non-factor yesterday. It was almost like they realized they had to move on without him. So, yeah, you're right. They, they left Paul on the bench and, uh, and went and did their thing. Finally, I asked Sean about the Los Angeles teams and his thoughts on the Clippers and Lakers. They are very, very well worth listening. After all the love that the Clippers got in the offseason, we know who's coming back and apparently who's coming, up, who's coming off the bench. I, we, we can have a whole other conversation about how these injuries are, are dealt with nowadays, like people strain a calf and they're out 40 games. It's, it's like, it's kind of insane, but we can talk about that another time. But the Lakers are, um, they just don't have the rock. But I also think that number was a little fishy, the five and a half, the point spread, for all the love that the Clippers got and how deep they are, because they are incredibly deep. You start talking about take, because AD looks great last night. He was moving really well. I like the way he looked. LeBron is LeBron. He scored 29 or 30 last night. But then, okay, we know about the deal with Russell Russell Westbrook, but then who's the fourth best player? Kendrick Nunn? Is that the fourth best is that the fourth best player on the team, Kendrick Nunn? Is it Walker the fourth? Like who like that that's where it gets really, really spooky, right? So if you pull those two guys and then there's questions around the third best player. So I mean, I I I, I it's just a really tough situation that it just seems like LeBron is just internally has kinda, you know, has accepted like I have a lot of other stuff going on. I'm gonna try to go get Kareem's record. Like I think deep down he knows there's no titles coming anytime soon. Yeah, the thing about the sun, Sean, I don't know if you've ever lived in L.A., is that it just makes you forget all your ambition. When it's 72 and sunny every single day, you just like, you're like, I don't really even care. I said this really quickly, and I'd like to get your thoughts. Is it possible LeBron James as a Laker never makes it to the playoffs ever again? Oh, I mean, to the, the league, yeah, it is possible. It, it, it definitely is possible. I think with, with the play-in kind of changes that a little bit, but I don't see him foreseeably competing. In the NBA, you don't want to be the team scratching and clawing to get the eight and then get bounced. Like, that's the worst place in the entire world that you want to be, and that's kind of what I'm afraid of for my Bulls if this whole Levine thing continues to happen. We might have to rip it down once again. Really quick, what happened to LeBron last year? He realized they weren't going to do anything, and, and the, the, the roster that they assembled, wasn't going to compete. So he just went out every night and tried to score 30, was second in scoring in the league. Yep. I think something like that can happen once again this year where he just looks around and he's like, man, this isn't it. I'm going to go get Kareem's record. 
I'm gonna score a ton of points, and I'll I'll pull a, I'll pull a hammy. I'll sit a bunch of games if I need to, and we'll just continue to wait for Bronny to show up, and I'll do movies and I'll do all that other stuff. So to answer your question, I think he'll get back to the playoffs. Will he ever actually have a chance to compete again and even make it to the Western Conference Finals? At this rate, I would say no. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We also had on Robin Lundberg, senior host of SI, to get his thoughts on the opening week. In his first clip, he gives a very savage opinion on a couple of teams with very myopic fan bases, the L.A. Lakers and the Philadelphia 76ers. How does he think they're going to fare this year? Do they have any chance to contend? Ha! Listen in. The, the Lakers still have LeBron James, and they, they still have Anthony Davis. But beyond that, who's their third best player? It's probably Patrick Beverly, right? So there, there's always a little extra when it comes to LeBron, when it comes to the Lakers, and some of the criticism that's probably lobbed their way. And everyone knows that they got to get it out of the way now, especially if it, it spirals downhill. Plus, there's the whole Westbrook dynamic, and, and he's the, the punching bag. But the, the problem is the, the construction of the roster in a few ways. One, they don't have the three-point shooting, which LeBron pointed out the other day. And if LeBron's going to be the basis of your team, you're going to need shooters. That's been the blueprint basically, you know, the entirety of, of his career, especially, you know, since he went back to the Cavs and, and became, uh, you know, the, the older version of himself as he evolved a little bit. And then one thing I, I think is also interesting is everybody talks about the bubble. And they like to say T.J. Warren or they, they like to point out, whoever, you know, a random player that, that went off in the bubble. Perhaps the biggest bubble anomaly was the shooting of Anthony Davis, who looked like Kevin Durant in the bubble and has been the least efficient jump shooter in the NBA over the last two years. So, yeah, w- without some sort of influx of athleticism and, and shooting, I do think it's probably going to be a long season for, for the Lakers. I, I, they'll win some games. You know, LeBron, LeBron will get 35, 40 points in some of these games. And I'd actually give them a better chance in a series against some teams than I would over the course of a long 82 regular season when depth comes into play. Because if you get into a short, truncated series, you can get carried by a couple heroic efforts. But I just don't see the personnel on this team for the Lakers to be anything better than average because they might have the worst roster in the league, 3 through 15. That's facts. Joel Embiid said uh, after they lost to the Heat that they needed some dogs and he specifically named P.J. Tucker. We, what I'm saying is we don't have a P.J. Tucker. So they go out and get P.J. Uh, they go out and get a bunch of other guys uh, that James Harden played with in Houston. And, and the question that I have is even with those dogs, do you trust the Philadelphia 76ers to be a, a real championship contender? Or this, is this just a cute team that ends up racking up some regular season wins? Absolutely no trust. I, I don't think the Sixers have any chance to win a championship. You know, when, when you talk about the flaws on the Sixers, they're also a team with some depth issues beyond their top four or five guys. P.J. Tucker is a dog, and, and I love P.J. Tucker. I also love Tyrese Maxey, big fan of Maxey's game. But the real problem with the Sixers is their stars. Joel Embiid, it's about time we start pointing the finger at him. It's always somebody else's fault with Joel Embiid. When's he been past the second round of the playoffs? I don't trust either of their stars when it comes to crunch time. And I'll give James Harden a little credit. 
He's played well to start this season, and he's hit some like little quasi mid-range jumpers, which are interesting because he hasn't really taken those. But still, at the down the stretch of this game, when he had the the last shot attempt there to try and get Philly uh, back the lead, he didn't look to make a shot. He looked to draw a foul, and that's a problem with Harden when it comes to crunch time. It's either a step back three or flailing for a foul. It's not actually trying to make a bucket. And I don't trust Joel Embiid at all when it comes to crunch time. He's slow. Up and down the court, he needs somebody to get him the ball to create his own shot. He often looks like he's laboring in those situations to get back on D. So I just don't think Philly's stars are good enough. And I'm not even sure, you know, over the course of the regular season, I trust Boston and I trust Milwaukee. Beyond that, we'll see. You know, Miami, they've earned a degree of trust with their consistency. I wouldn't write the Nets off after one game, though. They really have to prove they aren't the softest team in the league. The Cavs should be better. The Hawks should be better. I put Philly in the mix with those teams, but regardless, when it gets to the playoffs, I think their their ceiling is the second round. We also asked Robin what team would surprise him the most, and like a lot of people, he went with the very trendy New Orleans Pelicans. He also gave his opinion on his very favorite rookie to watch this year, and of course, because I have to ask everyone, what was his thoughts on the Suns beating the Dallas Mavericks? Listen in. I'll say, because I was at this game, I'll say the Pelicans. There, there's something about seeing Zion in person, especially if like you have a certain perspective where you can see from the side a little bit, where when he gets the ball anywhere between, let's say, 8 and 10 feet of the rim and has any sort of forward momentum, the defenders are hapless. There's nothing they can do. He, he can't be stopped. He's just too strong. And, and then he, he has good touch. If he misses, he has a good second jump. So he's right in there. So with that aspect added to their team, if he's healthy, you throw in Brandon Ingram, who has won me over in recent times. I wasn't always the biggest fan of his game. Yeah, me neither. Brandon Ingram and and C.J. McCollum, who are both difficult shot makers. So when it gets into like a a bailout situation, they got two guys who can make shots like that. And then they got a pretty deep roster, you know, that they they can switch around. They're, They're physical. So I would say my biggest takeaway from the, you know, it's hard to make preseason predictions, right? Because you're just kind of like, all right, do I want to be different? Or, you know, you haven't seen stuff. From stuff I've seen, the Pelicans are the one team that I went, oh, you, maybe they're championship contenders. Yeah, if you look at them right now, I think when they, they opened, they were just to win the West. I want to say they were plus 2,800. Let me see what they yeah, are right this second. I know they were second. like 40 to 1 to win yeah, the Yeah, let me finals, see what right? they are right now. Yeah, to win the West, it looks like they're 20 to 1. To win it all right now is 30 to 1. So it's actually moved down a little bit. That's really interesting. You know, another player that when you see him in real life, he just seems way more physically imposing than he does on TV. Very similar in some ways to, to Zion is Paolo Bancaro. Put on an absolute show last night. I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch that game. It, it wasn't a game that necessarily was nationally televised. So for those who didn't have League Pass, tough to watch. But he looks like he's going to be sensational. What do you think about some of these rookies, Paolo included? Yeah, yeah, it's a good rookie class, right? Uh, Murray and, and Matherin and uh, Ivy. But Paolo's another one of these examples. Of, it's so weird how college basketball could be such a different sport For sure. than, than professional basketball. I guess maybe it's because the coaches are the stars in college, so they're almost micromanaging. Now, I don't want to say that so much about Krzyzewski, who proved what he could do with, with pro players. You know, he earned a lot of respect for, from me for that. I know everybody says it's easy to win with those guys, but it wasn't exactly like they were in, in great uh, states when he took over the United States basketball team. But in, in college, the one thing you saw about Bancaro is that 
he had that NBA-ready body and, and almost moveset off the bounce. And that, that stuff opens up at the NBA level. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're not even counting Chet Holmgren, right? So th- this is one of those rookie classes where I don't think we're going to look back and say it was mid. I think you'll, you'll look back and you'll be able to look at it three, four, five kind of guys who are impact players in the league. You know, I think a lot of people are sort of saying the Suns are going to have a big regression this year. A lot of that has been because of the drama surrounding the franchise with Sarver and obviously all that contract issue with, with DeAndre Ayton. Last night showed me that this team obviously has a lot of grit and that Monty Williams is committed to still, you know, making adjustments, including benching Chris Paul. Like, where do you see, and does this game, you know, play into it at all? Is, like, where do you see Phoenix ending this year? Well, I mean, they got a good team, right? They, yeah. they won a lot of games last year. Their collapse was kind of startling, not because we, we thought, you know, this was some sort of dynastic sort of squad, but just you didn't expect the, the wheels to come off the way they did. I think that the biggest challenge they'll, they'll face, Tristan, you just mentioned Chris Paul, is how you know fresh can he stay for how long? It feels like as the season goes on, whether it's wear and tear or you know a variety of injuries that he, he winds up nagging injuries, that he's not as strong at, at the end of the year. And if that's the case, I don't know if you're benching Chris Paul in the playoffs and, and still winning those games. But when you're, you're trotting out Booker and Ayton and Bridges, and Johnson, you know, night in, night out, you can win a lot of games. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. Bet MGM Tonight airs Monday through Friday live from 7 to 11 Eastern Time. It's available on demand as well. Million thanks to my co-hosts, PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat, and super producer Cameron Gray. Also thanks to Sean Little and Robin Lundberg for coming in and talking hoops. That's it for the bonus episode of the Heat Check. And do not forget to check out the feed for past interviews and episodes. 